Okay, go ahead. Um, I was just telling you before we had that commercial break that I have been not as focused on the, the love that I, I've been so into lifting my thoughts, almost being like Pollyanna because it's been working. I've been living in my own delusion for years where I only see good in people. I only see the good around me, the good in my marriage, even though it crumbled. There was so much good left behind. Only the good remains. So I don't want to get involved. Only the love remains. Only the good remains. And when you think back on a marriage, really and truly, the good memories are what you remember. Mm -hmm. I don't hold on to anything negative because it's going to hurt me. It's actually going to cause me to age faster. It causes me to get ill. Why would I want to hang on to resentment? But so I learned to sort of make my own reality and sculpt my own reality. But lately I've been kind of dipping into the other side. I've been watching friends go down the drain. I've been hearing a lot of suicidal thoughts from people. I've been listening to the wrong people. And it's almost as if I every now and then I have to dip into the dark side and kind of remember the power we have within each of us to transform. Lynn, you cannot really know love until you've seen the dark side. That's true. That's true. You, know? you and I have been hurt. We, we come from abused. I was abused as a child, and I don't mean by a human being necessarily as much as right. society, the rules and the mores and the way that, you know, my parents were incredibly strict and fear-based. Mm-hmm. And that's an abusive way to grow up when you're in this culture. The American dream was so harsh. People came to America thinking if they didn't make it, they would... This capitalism, I think, has been somewhat abusive to all of us. This idea that if you don't have enough, you're nobody. Right. If you don't look good, you're no one. If you're not thin enough, good enough, rich enough, hard enough, sexy enough, it's all about looks and materialism. And until you find your soul deep inside and you realize there's this universal love that sustains you through the darkness... I found that in a major way. And you did too. too. Yeah. And even it prompted me that whole thing you're, you're describing ever since I met you, it seemed like our lives, even 3000 miles away, if they almost run parallel or, you know, almost parallel to the point where I'm at the end of one thing to pick up where you are to tell you about (laughs) it or vice versa, you know, and it, it, I don't know. It's I mean, come full circle, like you for said. For heaven's sakes, you pulled me out from behind the washing machine looking for my grandfather's <laughs> something crown jewels. <laughs> fiberglass, fiberglass. Wait, Jimmy, actually, you came back in my life. I remember when I first met you and you were going to a so-called mental institution, but it wasn't really a mental institution. It was a, what was it, a rehab facility? It was yeah, it was. It's probably one of the most famous ones, and um, that's why I call you what, a critically acclaimed nutcase because you were in a well, very famous, critically acclaimed nuthouse with some right. very powerful people, right? You know, and um, was a Nobel laureate or a poet laureate, and uh, one Nobel of the Kennedy. prize winner for something, and a very famous like part of Americans' royal family. Americans' royal family. Kennedy, Joan Kennedy. We can say the name. Lynn, you can't say that. Why not? Because. Well, okay. One of the Kennedy family were in there. But we talked about the Kennedys earlier. So, right. look, we're all suffering from something in this life. 
and I'm so proud of you. And you reached out to me, and I remember sending you books about the golden key, the how golden to turn your key. thinking to love. Laid this, it was, you know, there was a miracle there. And I think um, what You're started what started is we were both, uh, you know, running wild when we met. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were same 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 spirit, but you know, we were facing challenges and seeing horrific things and mm. buying into the lie, yeah. the, the whole thing, you know. And it was hurtful. And I met you. I was you know, coming off like a, a contract that I had for like the hippest cologne. When cologne came into style and everybody went to clubs, I had that for a year. Mm-hmm. I had money and, you know, then yeah. you go and work as a bartender and then, you know, you get a gig and you do a couple of episodes or something, you know. So I was working, mm-hmm. but I was also as fast as I was rising in Hollywood, like my whole, my my body was rising, my face, but my... <laughs> soul was going down to hell (laughs) and i say this all the time lid it's like you like reached into the trap door to hell and pulled me out in the nick of time you told me why my hands were shaking and you know why i i I felt like i was having panic attacks and on Mm -hmm. the outside everything looked fine but you said you know maybe you need to take a look at what you drink and put up your nose and we were all kind all of that other stuff. We were yeah, talking about so, the eighties last night, and I, I'm an I was diagnosed. Well, I was an alcoholic. I've now feel that I've overcome this through prayer and through meetings and through the uplifting transformation of my soul through living in a. And I found my soul in a pornographic world, in Hollywood. I actually was able to have a great life, sustain myself through the years of unemployment, keep my spirit up, not drink and do drugs, not OD. And it's a miracle. That is a, that's a miracle right there. That's kind of what well, it, the book is Well, it is, is a about. miracle. And the fact that you're surviving it, in Tinseltown, yeah. you know, you're one of the most recognized faces everywhere. Everybody yeah, knows you. who your face. Maybe not your name, but they know exactly who you are. And everybody We weren't allowed to have publicists. Walk in. <laughs> yeah. Ted well, Knight wouldn't allow know, it. Yeah. <clears throat> the, um, but the thing is, maybe your mission, no, I know your mission, because you've reached into the trapdoor of hell and pulled many different people out for many different reasons. So that's one of your particular missions. And one of my missions was to be thrown back to Boston yeah. to go into this place for six months and wow. c- to find out, yeah, I am an alcoholic and a drug addict, but... I became part of this study and what they diagnosed me with was um, I was uh, I've had ADD problems and, you know, it actually worked to my benefit if I was on a ADD high and I could work three days straight on a something, whatever. Yeah. But they never saw anybody rapid so cycle, rapid cycle, cycle so rapidly. And what that means is just within minutes, you can go from euphoria like to crushing depression and ah. You know, you mean your normal brain without it, any? It goes in, yeah, but that's when it goes into like you go into a cycle period, yeah. and then you can wrap cycle rapidly. You know, most uh-huh. people it takes like they start building up to a high, and it's either over a period of weeks, months, mm-hmm. then they stay at the crux, and then they decline, decline, and then they crash and can't get back up. And what then do they you mean? Get what do they basement. call it? Was it bipolar disorder? They call it. 
well, when I, the term was manic depression, right, like right. the PC term is, is bipolar mm-hmm. plus ADD and stuff. And, you know, I did the whole med thing. I, I was misdiagnosed and that's in LA mm-hmm. and they were giving me, uh, um, not Ativan, Xanax and, and, uh, some crazy sleep narcotic and it, it just put me into like, I can't move, you know? Yeah. And it was just crazy. And remembering what you had said, and then I had last seen you, um, I don't know if it's when you were pregnant with Jack. I yeah. saw you one last time or just before that we spoke and, you know, that helped make, helped me make up my mind. And then another miracle happened where I was so sad. I asked for answers. I'm in Santa Monica beach for the first time. You never go to the beach if you live near it. Mm -hmm. So the dolphins swam around me. I've always loved dolphins. And I walked off the set of Beverly Hills cop part three. (laughs) Next day I moved home to Boston and I was thrown in there and they're like, no wonder I got this doctor and his specialty, he was new, and his specialty were, was people like me. That's what he had studied, and it was an up-and-coming thing. So oh, really? he's like, they've been treating you for something that is pushing you even more over the edge because if you give a, a, a you know, person that cycles, a bipolar person, antidepressants, mm-hmm. they shoot to the moon. I was awake for 31, no, I'm sorry, 28 days. What? I rested like on the 30th day, I started like sleeping a little bit. And then I think it was on on the the 31st, I went in. Yes. The 31st I had gone in. And I remember I used to, I got to this point where it's three o'clock in the morning. I didn't know time, night or day because I'm up and it was too frustrating to lay in the bed, but you're so tired. You, you just can't do anything. So I used to walk the streets and I live in this town that's all hills, <clears throat> kind of secluded, and I would go up to the top of my hill and see the, you know, whole Boston mm-hmm. skyline at night, listening to a Walkman that played a broken tape that only played one song, <laughs> and it wasn't like my favorite artist or anything. I had nothing. I had left it all in my Beverly Hills place. So, I was listening to um, Stewart's Coat by uh, Ricky Lee Jones. Wow. We'll talk more about that later. It's very fitting too. So you, you, this is how you. <clears throat> So after a month of this and they, uh, ambulance took me and I went in and they locked me up and I did, I wasn't getting better. And my mom said, why don't you call your friend? And I don't know how you got through to the hospital. Oh, that's right. I remember calling you. You called me and you sent me the picture of you and your baby and you sent me the golden key. And the fox. Right. You just, th- that reignited the spark. Really? And I'm like, it, oh, lit, it did. It did. Because oh. it was like, I was so almost jaded. I didn't want to believe that things could get better because mm. I didn't think anything could get better. I thought things could only get worse wow. and I was going to die. And what they told causes me that this? I was going to die. I wonder what, is this a, truly just a chemical problem no, in the brain society, or society. I believe I believe all of us are so hurting inside so desperate for love so rejected and we, even we we do it to ourselves we almost glom on to or we listen more to the naysayers and the people who don't like us we're more willing to listen to the bullies at times well 
Hollywood we're weak. Or, or, or politicians or fame, you but know. But the reason we come to Hollywood is, t- I came to Hollywood seeking the adoration of strangers because I wasn't getting that? enough love at home. The only broken people come here. And when I was at this club last night, this wild hedonistic club with the... Let me interrupt well, and just wait, inject I've got one to finish thing this into thing. that. Okay, go ahead. When I was at the club last night, I noticed... There's this, I've noticed that every time I go out, when I was with Leonardo DiCaprio and Matthew, um, Matt Damon and all the people at this other club, Guy Bar, it's all, there's a choose me energy in LA. There's a want me, choose me. Everyone's on the make. We're all posing. I watched it last night with new eyes and I saw so many wannabes just trying to look hip and cool. And there's a decadent kind of hedonistic quality now where people are smoking more than ever. They're drinking to oblivion. They don't feel there's any hope. And I don't see a lot of sparkle in people's eyes with that sense of wonder that I know you and I have now because, to me, innocence is the coolest thing you can get. This jaded quality of, you know, we've seen it all, done it all, let's just kill ourselves. It's, I'm so over it. We need to lift each other up, and this is what this show is about. What I love most about our relationship is that you and I have always been on a mission and a quest mm. as bad as things were, you know, yeah. we were, we're looking, we're searching for answers. We want to make it better. We, and you know, I, you can never tell anybody what to do. You cannot tell me what to do because <laughs> I'll say no, yeah. you know, so you have to know how to, you know, say at least what I'm trying to do is saying, look, I, I kind of took this path here. Mm-hmm. And when I went down that way, it, it, it hurt really bad. But if you go this way, things might be different. I don't know. It's up for you to choose. But, you know, it well, was anyway, hard. The only the willing are really open. Their ears are open. They want to learn. They want to hear. When you've hit bottom, and your own bottom can be a lot higher than my bottom, except, no pun intended, my bottom is pretty perky. But I mean... I hit a bottom for me. I didn't go homeless. I wasn't completely broke. But I hit my bottom at a certain point, and I had to wake up. And everyone knows they have their own breaking point. Some never make it back, unfortunately. Some, you know, hit that edge, and they fall way over. My brother didn't make it. He was just not able to um, be completely honest or completely clean. And he was a drug addict, and he, he only tried drugs three times, and he died. And you know what, Lid? His life was, nobody's life has lived in vain. No, not at all. You know, he and, saved a and lot of young his people. his sole purpose, yes, was to inspire his sister. But do you know that he, you know? at his funeral, or not his funeral, the day he died on December 1st, 1995, my baby was only, my child was born March 26th, 1994, and my, my brother died a year and a half later. And... The day he died, I went to speak at an AA meeting. I was grieving. It was actually three days after his death. And I spoke, and all these young people heard me. And I said, there was a young, one young guy that walked all the way to our funeral, to the memorial service from Hollywood, all the way up to Franklin Canyon in Beverly Hills, and in his suit. And he said, I will never drink again or do drugs. I don't want to hurt my sister the way your brother hurt you. A lot of lives were saved in my brother's death. But the one life that wasn't saved... My brother had a lifelong girlfriend, 10 years, they were together. She was in Texas. She was the vice president, Neiman Marcus. When she found out Paul died, and they'd been broken up already for a couple of years. When she found out my brother died, she went into such grief. She went out and drank, and she drove her car and killed an entire family. 
including an eight-year-old boy, and killed herself literally a weekend after my brother died. It was almost like she wanted to be with him. It was so sad that she killed a little eight-year-old boy, though, and that's drunk driving. It is. We have to, st- we have to make a campaign to help people to get over this sick society. I really think we people. need a different approach than to just threatening people with stricter drunk driving laws and yeah. stuff like that and, and fund you know, uh, treatment programs. Well, that's different, but drunk driving can't be tolerated. You can't tolerate someone getting behind a a, a weapon, using a car as a weapon and driving. Uh, I mean, they've pulled all funding for, you know. Treatment centers? Treatment centers. They call them spin drives now. I mean, for heaven's sakes, they used to be a 28-day program. Well, we're going to do our part. For six months, because I had the you know, supreme special deal. Jimmy, I've invented uh, in my inventor show that we're having with you, the beauty of invention. I've patented a a chain of drive-by therapy centers. It's like a Taco Bell. You drive up and they say, you press a button, issues. Dumped, abandoned, molested, confused, abused, betrayed, divorce. (laughs) And you put your credit card in and you get a foot massage and a taco while you're being analyzed. But the woman behind the booth, <laughs> the therapist behind the booth has to be by bulletproof glass. It's for road rage, too. You know, Lid, when we were in negotiations <laughs> and pulled out of a certain deal, <laughs> you know, because we were being robbed by you yeah. know, copyright and stuff, I, I have to laugh because, <laughs> um, you know, during the auditioning and the casting, you know, they mm-hmm. were asking me, you know, do you think, you know, Lydia will make an avocado jacket, <laughs> make avocado leather. And yeah. it didn't even take me a second to say, oh, my God, yes, she will. Thank you. She absolutely will make an avocado jacket. I really do and, have to get this show produced because people are going to start. If I see that on the runway next year, cantaloupe boots and avocado leather motorcycle jackets, I will scream. People could steal our idea. What if our ideas were stolen and there goes the man can and the head transplant? (laughs) Okay, let's wrap up this show and we're going to get back together tomorrow to continue the show on mental illness, bipolar disorder, and miracles and how to solve everything. Jim lost his fortune because (laughs) I had to buy a crane to hold my ass up. No, Jimmy, we're going to talk about (laughs) magnets on the brain, miracles, and how to overcome anything through love. And this is how we're going to bring hope back to the world. This show it really is going to be amazing, and we're so happy to be on Beats and Eats. We got nominated for a Stitcher Award, so I'm going to be up at the Vance Hotel Ballroom for the Stitcher Awards on January 30th with Ty Ray and hopefully Nick Gelso and Matt Fahey and Barrett Byer and Jane Tillis Ford. We'll, they'll all be there in spirit, but I'll be there at the actual award ceremony January 30th. Awesome. Thanks. And on a lighter note, from I mean, we talked about heavy stuff this show. I, I, I on a lighter note, I also want to discuss some. I mean, we're all guilty of loving Hollywood gossip. Yeah, and you've done a couple of red carpets just this week. I think you did three. Yeah, I did so three. We'll yeah. talk about entertainment stuff. Yeah, let's do that with Cindy and, Perlman uh, too, my the well, editor for entertainment. The real crazy people. Well, Cindy Perlman is also going to be one of my guest hosts during. Every now and then, probably once a month. The or... Cindy Perlman. Cindy Perlman, uh, the editor of Entertainment Weekly. Now she's with Chicago Sun-Times and New Beauty Magazine. 
she's like one of the highest syndicated, you know, entertainment. Yeah, entertainment. Entertainment, yeah. Okay. Can't wait to talk to you again. I know, Cindy. We were on a show together once with you and I. We don't have to. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Hang on, Jimmy. Let me just, let me do another ending. Thank you so much, Jim. I want to talk more about the love you bring to the world and all this wonderful healing you're going through and the constant transformation and renewal of our spirit because there's much more to life than just what you can see. Yes. So I love you. I love talking to you. And you brought me so much love. And you've helped me so much the past couple years. Thanks for being on my show, our show. Thank you for loving me enough to bring me back to be on your show. (laughs) Okay, honey. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Take care. Hang on.